This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in my home with a great guest. She's a comedian. She's a writer. It is Patricia Valletto. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Is that your correct last name? Did I say it right? You did. Valletto likes Stiletto. Oh, that, that's yes. a great way to remember mm-hmm. a name. Mm-hmm. Although I just got married four weeks ago. Four weeks. So now it's Reason Over Valletto. Reason Over Valletto? Reason Over Valletto. So it really, wow. Like the words Reason Over? Yeah. My wife's last name is Reason Over. <laughs> Are you happy to have a full last name that sounds like a weird bumper sticker? Like what's happening in today's society? Yeah, like all... Reason Over Valletto, whatever Valletto means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, we just were like, we were we both think our last names are so unique. Yeah. That we were like, oh, I don't want to lose mine. And then we were like, but we also want to be unified as a family. So yeah. we're like, screw people. We're going to have a really <laughs> long last name and they'll get used to saying it. Yeah, I think that's great. I think yeah. people should keep as many names as they can. Yeah. It makes more story. What does Valletto mean? It means small village. Okay. In so Italian. So that really so does an Italian person hearing this is that is Valletto is well known, right? Is it I think Word? so. I feel like, I mean, I don't I don't speak Italian, but most of the time when I meet a person from Italy, they go, oh, small village. So I'm assuming <laughs> that that's exactly what it means because they're telling me. But it could, they could just, it's like a universal fuck with Patricia from Italy okay. thing where it really means like dumpster fire. <laughs> well, like, that would be great if it did because then your name would be Reason Over Dumpster Fires. Which yeah. would be a great mm-hmm. message to the world, I think. <laughs> what's, this is what's happening in today's society. The reason is over and it is all a dumpster fire. <laughs> Sad but true. Uh, on happier notes, uh, let's talk about you and your awesome career. For people who don't know you, uh, you're a writer, you're a comedian. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, well, I mostly am sticking to writing. Uh, and then I work... For uh, DreamWorks, mostly I'm on there. I work. I work for a show called OMG, and I have a show in development with them called So Shook. And uh, yeah, and I write on like their short form animations, like the King Julians and the the Shreks and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And you do improv as well, right? Yes, I do. I am at the Ruby, formerly known as the Nerdist. If you're familiar with that. Yes, the Nerdist School, which is now the, not the school of anything. It's nope. the Ruby, it's right? It's called the Ruby. And I'm there on Sunday nights. And I play with Airplane as an improviser. And I'm also a teacher there. I teach um, uh, from Pitch to Pilot, the writing course. Oh, to awesome. teach you how to be comfortable in the room pitching your show. And then what happens after they say, yes, let's make it. in the process of actually getting to the point of writing a pilot. Oh, that someone paid you to do. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, and emphasis on the paid, right? Yeah, there's you can take – I also teach, like, if you wanted, like, a pilot spec writing class. But this one is specifically of, like, how to take notes and deal with the executives who want to put their stink on your property. <laughs> Do you say it that way in the class? Mm-hmm. Dealing mm-hmm. with the stink. Yeah. That's awesome. And who's to say if that stink is good stink or bad stink? That's yeah. your choice, but – But there's certainly an odor. Yeah. They like – yeah. Everybody wants to say that they put their thumbprint on your yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, their stinky, stinky thumbprint. That's great. Uh, yeah, so if people are in L.A. and listening, I would highly recommend that class. Uh, Patricia and I met working on an animated thing that isn't fully announced. 
Uh, no. But I had a great time working with you, and I'm really happy you're willing to do the podcast. Yeah, I was. I had a great time working with you as well. Well, thank you. It's <laughs> nice to have that recorded for posterity. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your obsession. You offered me a couple of good ones, but I was so fascinated by this one. It is front of house restaurant service. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to tell, I'm, I'm a braggart when it comes to that. <laughs> I'm really good at front of house service in a restaurant. <laughs> okay, so what all is front of house restaurant service? So anyone, when you go into a restaurant that you see that's not in the back of the house, <laughs> which is what the kitchen is. So that's the managers. It's like if there's a cashier, if there's like a bakery up front, it's your servers, it's your busboys. It's anyone who you as a customer is going to have some sort of interaction with. Okay, cool. So what part of that are you super good at? All of it. <laughs> really, really good at it. <laughs> but now this is now there's so many fascinating things to talk about, but I want to start with the good at. You are so sure that you're good at it and you've mentioned being a braggart. But aren't there lots of different skill sets involved, whether you're a host, if you're a server, yeah. a bus person? And you you, sh- you have to be, it's like any job, you have to be really good at the job that you're doing right in the moment, for sure. So the first, my first job when I was 14 years old was at a restaurant. Okay. And I was a bus girl. And you can't be, you can't get promoted to anything until oh, really? you're 18. It's like legal. I can't like a uh, you can't touch alcohol or anything like that. Right. Until you're 18. You can't pour alcohol until you're 21. But so you, you can touch it. But you can't bring it to a table until you're 18 okay. legally. So the only <laughs> so job I could have 4 years of just have, touching, not 4 pouring. years of just being a bus girl. Wow. Which is like the lowest rung of front of the house service. <laughs> 4 years. 4 years. Okay. And I worked at a restaurant. It's called Plumbush. It's actually still there. And it's just outside of Manhattan. And it was I, I was 14. And then every other person that was a bus person there was a middle-aged man. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time I was 15, I was the head bus person. So imagine that you're a middle-aged man and I, a 15-year-old girl, was your boss. <laughs> How did they handle it? Not well. It was really good. Okay. Be- you just had more work when you were the head person because okay. they split you amongst the rest of the sa- like the staff. Okay. And this this was the kind of place that had um, servers and then captains in one station. So okay. It was like super fine dining. Okay. So what what uh, I know it's fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. Outside of Manhattan, but what kind of fancy was it? Like uh, business luncheons? You only go there for dinner and anniversaries. It was. It was like fine dining. You're coming in for like an extravagant meal. You're trying to show off to someone. Okay. We were famous for Sunday brunches, like most places, and our clientele was like the Vanderbilts. Like okay, like drop, the actual Vanderbilts. Yeah, you're dropping dough, and if you call and order in <laughs> advance, you could get like the whole pig brought to the table with the apple in the mouth. That kind of place. Like an actual cartoon. You worked at a cartoon. I worked at a, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So was that what made you good? Was that you spent years at a super fancy restaurant where the customer service side of it had to be perfection, I would imagine, Mm -hmm. or a Vanderbilt would get mad at you because the apple wasn't right in the pig's mouth? That's it. It all started. And I've since then never worked in an establishment of such like high caliber. Yeah. Like, this place had like sommeliers and all that other stuff. And we like, I've worked in probably like 20 other different places since then. And they're all more like your regular, like lunch spot type. Yeah. Places. Yeah. Do you miss then the fancy restaurant? Do you feel like the fancy restaurant is where you truly shine? 
Um, I haven't worked one since I've been an adult, but I think what makes me shine in your regular places is that I still give the same service, even though your check isn't $300, it's $26. So it makes me kind of like pop in that way. Okay. Yeah. So when you were, uh, being a bus girl and you were, you were observing all of the other jobs, Mm -hmm. were you like in your mind going, I know exactly the best way to be a server as soon as I can be a server. I know the best way to be a host. Were you like studying? Yeah. Well, it's I don't know if I was studying, but I I could I could tell like my job is I knew like there were like simple rules of like as a bus person, you don't speak unless someone speaks to you directly. Like you don't talk to customers. And then in this particular place, the server um, only spoke to the customer when it was like involved in like making sure that their meal was okay or something like that. But then a captain, which most places do not even have captains anymore, <laughs> their job was to schmooze. Their job was to be like, how are the kids? They knew people's names. They knew like w- like what the person's wow. job was. They like re- they had to recall everything because we worked mostly on recurring customers. So like this, they those people were like the guy who knew what drink you wanted, how many ice cubes you wanted in it. Like he knew everything be- like just by looking at the reservation list yeah. before you even got there. So it's like that. Did you ever captain? Were you a captain? Mm-mm. I was never a captain. They, the guys who captain at this place, and I think it was all guys. I'm pretty sure. But they were like, they had retired from working at like the Russian Tea Room and uh, Windows on the World and like the Rainbow okay. Room. And so they were all in their 60s plus but had okay. worked at those other places for years. And people would remember them from there and be like, oh, it's so great to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of your skill that you brag about is service, like knowing how to make sure that a customer is happy versus the actual nuts and bolts of, with my eagle eye, I know exactly when I need to swoop in and pick up that plate, the kind of more technical side of it. I think I think it's all of it. And the one thing, no matter what it is, the restaurant that you're working at has to have like some like they have to be consistent i think is the best thing. okay so if it's an amazing restaurant it has to be consistently amazing i can still make money at a middle of the road okay food restaurant as long as it's consistent in its okayness yeah like i've, I've worked at restaurants where the food is great sometimes <laughs> and you're like ah so like i i can't i that i end up lying to customers because they're like oh what's your favorite dish and i say something that yesterday was good yeah and then today is horrible <laughs> and i can't i can't win with that so like the before you give any sort of good service the restaurant has to be consistent in what they do as a restaurant okay and so if that's parts done the rest i can do no problem and it is that it's like approaching a table and figuring out just by looking at them and this is like an actor too and an improviser i yeah. can look at a customer and see what kind of service they want are they going to be the one that's like they want me to smooth they want me to like tell jokes or like you know put on a show <laughs> you're or making they- <laughs> dancing hands for listeners i'm throwing out jazz hands they you know there are customers who want a show yeah and then there are customers who are like take my order and don't talk to me again <laughs> and you have to know that right and if because i have worked at a lot of places with regulars you have to know with a regular whether or not it's that kind of day or not that kind of day oh okay yeah and the one thing that i always tell new servers is it's never your fault so there's a billion other people who's supposed to be their fault. So if the customer is mad at something, yeah, it's not your fault. And you're also on the customer side. Yeah. You agree with them and right. blame anyone else but you <laughs> so that you are taking their side. Because a customer is like, oh, like if they're complaining about the food, you're, you shouldn't go, well, 
that's how the food is, you should be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about yeah. that. You are completely right. It shouldn't have been like that. The kitchen did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always blame someone else, get on their side, and then you can be like a team against everybody else. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everything is okay. That's like great psychology. But uh, do you feel like it's true? Do when, you, when you're doing that as a server, do you feel like the, the truth is no. it's the kitchen's fault? No, I'm a no. You lie all the time. <laughs> like if the food, like the biggest one is like this. All the time happens. A server will forget to put an order in. Happens all the time. Yeah. The server doesn't go up to the table and say, "Oh my god, I forgot to put your order in." Yeah. The server goes up to the table and says, "I'm so sorry. The kitchen is running really slow. <laughs> I'm gonna have your food out in a second. Can I get you something that we know is fast, like a yeah. side salad or a soup, while you're waiting?" Yeah. They just think the kitchen is running slow. Meanwhile, yeah. that server was dicking around in the back and forgot <laughs> to put the order in. <laughs> and then they're happy as we could be because they got like a free salad or soup or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Do you call other servers out when you go to a restaurant and feel like they're using your tactics on you? No. I don't. But you think it, right? I know like- it. I go, I'll, I'll, I'll be with the people that I'm sitting with. I'll be like, that just happened. <laughs> but the thing is, my, because again, so I'm in my late 30s. And so my service training was of the people who were like, there used to be an actual career of service industry yeah. where you could make six figures in the 70s and 80s and into the middle 90s. And so I was trained by those guys where this wasn't just the job to pay the bills. This right. was a career. The guys that I was trained by, had houses and a retirement plan and were set. They were making really, really good. At 14, I was making $500 a week. Damn. And I was only working 12 hours. Yeah. So, like, those, just imagine what those guys were making because they were making triple yeah. what I was making. So, those guys trained me how to do this. Okay. And so, I think anyone who's a server nowadays, unless they're a little bit older, never got trained by those people. So, they don't know those tricks. Yeah. Do you try to impart them? It sounds like you did. It sounds like you tell other servers at places you work, like here's... What, yeah, when I'm working. I don't try to be like, pull the server aside at the restaurant. <laughs> Listen, buddy. <laughs> when you're working. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, buddy. You're having a hard day. But I've I've been at tables where a server has come up and said, I forgot to put your order in. Yeah. And you're now like, we're why? like, why did you... Just lie. <laughs> it's okay to lie. These are not... It's not your family. It's not... You don't know these people. They're, you're literally trying to get a tip out of them. Yeah. Would so, you ever leave a note that just says like you leave so it's not a confrontation but you leave like here it's okay you should have lied to me next time lie no i i'm always like it has you literally had to have like spit in my food in front of me (laughs) for me to give you less than 15 percent. oh yeah so you you leave the tip 15 percent is the that's the that's where i start yeah and then like i and again because i'm a bragger of how fantastic i was a server i was on average a 25 to 30 percent tip receiver oh wow when yeah when i was working in restaurants like i was the guy who may have only had like the like lower sales but had was making way more than anyone else on the floor like i would never work at places that pull tips okay (laughs) this is for me there's no way yeah so are you working any service jobs recently uh just the the place i told you about i'll go in and pick up shifts in between jobs and stuff like that okay cool uh, obviously, anybody who wants to be a writer and improviser and that, that's kind of the dream job. Mm-hmm. If the industry had stayed the same and you could be a captain making six figures, would you want to be doing that? I don't. I'm, 
I always, you know how people say, oh, I have my backup job in yeah. this in this crazy world of entertainment business. I always I always know that this in the in the end of the day is my backup job, but I think I always thought of it as a backup job. I don't know if I would have pursued it full time as a career. Okay. Because you can get degrees in like customer service and like stuff like that. There are colleges that give full degrees yeah. in that kind of like I don't know what it's called, but it's called something. Customer service seems about right, but I'm sure there's a fancier name. There's a fancier name for it. Yeah. There's like yeah, there's a fancier name for it. Because it's a four year degree. Okay. You yeah. should have an official title when you finish that. Like, you get doctor for PhD. You should get captain. You should be able to call yourself in day-to-day captain. life. Because people are awful. Captain. That's the biggest thing is, like, people are horrible. Yeah. And when they're in a position where they feel entitled, which is almost always when they sit down in a restaurant, they feel yeah. entitled. They are monsters. <laughs> Everyone is a monster. <laughs> and so, you ha- like, it is a hard job. Like, people yell and scream. And, like, the reason why... I would like at least, especially when I needed to work in restaurants, what would get me by was like cracking the asshole. Like if like <laughs> if we if everyone knew like, oh, this asshole's here again, and I'd be like, I got him. I'm going to take him. And if I could get him to smile, I'm saying him, but it also most of the time it's equal, men okay. and women. E- equal opportunity assholes across the board. Okay. Bad, <laughs> bad customers. Full spectrum assholes. Men, women, and children. Okay. Uh but if I could make them smile, if I could have them say, like, thank you or anything, if I could do that, that's like, oh, that's a win for the day. Like, okay. I got them. Yeah. So so much of the job is dealing with assholes. Uh, there's the whole customer is always right thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like you have the approach of, it, of at least letting them believe they're right. Let them believe they're right and that you're on their side. Yeah. How often is the customer always right? And how do you feel about that that phrase in general, being a master of service? Um, I would say the customer is 20% of the time, right? <laughs> Around the same is what and the I tip don't, be. And yeah. I don't know if that's the same case for like merchandise and stuff like that. But in restaurants, it's all like, you know, like the customer that complains the most is a customer that like was like, I want this meal, but I want to modify it. And I want to add this and I want to add that. Yeah. And then you bring it to them. And you're like, this isn't what I wanted. And I was like, well, that kitchen doesn't make that dish. Yeah. You ask them to make something that you probably had somewhere else and had expectations of them magically knowing what you wanted. <laughs> and so now you're complaining yeah. that that dish isn't good. But you, so then you have to be like, oh, you know, I am so sorry about that. Listen, how, you know, like, what's the best way to, f-? and always that's my favorite thing is like, ask the customer what they want. So like, okay. most people will be like, can I get you this? But I'd be like, what's the best way to fix this? What's going to make you happy? Yeah. And see what they say. And if they say something crazy, you can be like, I'm so sorry, but my manager is a stickler for stuff like that. And again, it's not <laughs> me. It's that manager. He won't let me do that. Can't, you know, but then like. You just you just find ways to make the people happy, and then there are also people you can't make happy. Yeah. So do you have encountered assholes that you cannot crack? I have. I think yeah. What is what makes someone an uncrackable asshole in your experience? Is it just that they have decided to come in and take something out on mm. this restaurant? Yeah. I mean, I think walking down the street, you can see people who have started their day in a bad mood, and yeah. have, they have decided to stay in a bad mood. Yeah. And you know people in your life who are like, they have been living the last decade in a bad mood. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Maybe besides. if I get their eggs just right yeah. today. But then you also have to protect yourself as a human. And yeah. I, my uh, wife finds it hilarious because I do this in my everyday life too, is where like I will um, smile and say something 
kind and polite, but there's a tinge in my eye that you can feel like I'm telling you that you're a horrible person. And so I'll do that. And as a customer, you can't complain because I didn't really do anything. They'd be like, oh, your your server smiled at me and I didn't like it. But you don't understand her eyes, her eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, and there's nothing you can do. But I, as a human, have been like, this person was an asshole and I feel vindicated and smiling at them. Yeah, that's really impressive. Uh, I have never done true service. The only thing I ever did was I did a mystery theater dining thing where I had to bring out the food. But it was like four things. I didn't take orders. I just literally carried the food. But I worked at Kinko's for many years. And Kinko's has always seemed to me it has some similarity to Mm -hmm. the service industry because it's kind of front of house and kitchen at the same time. We always described it as cooks that you can see and yell at because you'll take the order, then you'll go back to the photocopying machine and they can see you and they watch you and... They don't know how the machines work, but they think they do, and they can yell at you. Uh, And I remember describing the feeling of, like, working a very long day and trying to remain super positive, trying to, you know, be the the customer is always right or let them think they're always right, and feeling like people were actually, like, reaching reaching into my soul. Like, I got to Mm -hmm. that point where I could feel like, I feel like somebody is literally, like, my soul is real, and there are are hands coming for it, Mm -hmm. and it must shut off. So how do you, uh, do you feel that way? And if so, how do you like cope with that feeling at the end of the day and still have like, you have such a positive attitude about front of house. How do you maintain that? I think uh, back when I, nowadays it's not the same because it's like I'm going to work one, because I'm bored and I, and I murder someone on my street. Like if I was just doing nothing in my house all day because yeah. I'm, I'm not working. Because uh, I am a little bit of a workaholic. So I always have to be doing something. So now I don't need the job. So when someone's a jerk, it's like, well, they're just having a bad day and I can walk it off. But like when you need when you need it and yeah. you, need, you need that tip. Because you're working because you're not getting paid enough as an hourly wage as a server. So you need the tip and you, and you have to deal with the person... The best way that I would get through is the things that I've basically already talked about is like finding a way to crack them or at least getting the smile of like, you're the worst out. (laughs) Um, And then the biggest one, and this was not always for me, and this happened probably like a switch happened in me like 10 years ago where I would think about why they're an asshole. So like something must be wrong with this person. Like they're having... They're, I'm not the reason why they're mad. This restaurant isn't the reason why they're mad. What is the thing that's causing them to be this? And I guarantee you whatever that is is probably worse than anything I have going on in my life. Yeah. Because this person is a monster. And a couple of times I would find out, like I had this one lady who's just so just like per, like persnickety about everything. Like because we had different style plates and she would request food on certain plates. And like she knew how things were and she would be the lady who would say like three ice cubes and an iced tea. You know, like yeah. really persnickety and angry if one tiny thing got set off and then i found out like a year later that she actually had a brain tumor and it was putting pressure on her brain and so when anything slipped out of what she was used to it would spiral her out for like the whole day and so you're like oh i know for a fact that's the case so when i have other customers that i'm like "Mm, you're a jerk i can think there's a reason yeah and my life is pretty great and yeah. I don't, ha- I, whatever their reason isn't my reason. <laughs> yeah, that's a very healthy and I think empathetic way to, to look at people. And I've seen that uh, idea going around social media a lot more of like everyone has a story and mm-hmm. you're, you're just doing a cameo in their story. And if you knew their story, you would probably understand better. Yeah. Um, do you, did you ever make up stories like with the, the person who had the brain tumor eventually you found mm-hmm. out? But did you ever just like 
there's this asshole who comes in every day. I can't crack them. I'm going to make up a narrative of what of why they're an asshole. I'm sh- I can't think of one like offhand, but I'm sure that I would make up narratives one just because as a writer you're like yeah why would you know <laughs> I have to know why this person is choosing this choice so that yeah. I can then pull from it later I'm like <laughs> why is this person making this wild choice right now yeah uh, but I can't think of like ones specifically that we where I've like just made up and been like okay this is the reason why yeah. Do, yeah. Can you ever see it at the table, like a dynamic between the people who are dining where you're like, oh, the asshole problem is because these people are in a terrible marriage mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you, the, the la the place that I like kind of like stop in every once in a while um, is in Claremont. And in Claremont, there are a lot of retirement homes okay. and kind of like older living communities. And so you'll see that a lot of like... Um, the family dynamic of like dad or mom starting to shift to a place where they can no longer take care of themselves. And you'll see that dynamic of kids and like, it's so, it's just a a wild thing where like a kid suddenly has to be in charge and they're not, and they're like 50 years old, but they're like, I am really (laughs) angry about this. I don't want to be the one that has to ask my dad to take his wallet out, you know? And you're like, Oh, right. You're scared. You're scared because you see literally the person who's always been in charge slipping away and yeah. changing and becoming someone who needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. Does that change anything in the way you approach the job? Like once you've been able to like hyper identify a problem that you're going to see that the customers are dealing with, does yeah. that change it? Like you come up with a specific approach of like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you 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 can just as, as humans and interacting with other humans. Yeah. If you can see that someone is suffering or that someone like even in the reverse of that, if someone is ridiculously happy, there's a reason why they're happy. <laughs> just like there's a reason why they're sad. And if you can get to the heart of like yeah. that, you can experience the joy and the sadness with them. Yeah. Like I've I've had customers where I had to sit down and allow them to cry. Really? Yeah. And I've had customers who like have like given me their children because they just need a minute. And I've like served with a child on my hip, bringing <laughs> that kid into the back like while putting in. Like a child like, you'd never seen or met yeah, before. Because you can be like that. That's the day that mom has had enough. And I'm like, you know what? You don't know me, but I'm not going to go far. You can see me the whole time. I can take this two-year-old and put her on my hip because they just are a terror at that exact moment. And yeah. you need a break. Yeah. And you know it. Is that something that you enjoy doing? Do you yeah. go in and it's like, I hope I get to carry a two-year-old today? Yes, especially if it's a two-year-old. <laughs> I like. I think kids are adorable, yeah. even when they're little monsters. Yeah, well, yeah. if they're just a monster and they're in not your life your for monster. a moment. Yeah, exactly. You don't or have to that take... lady's monster that's having a bad day. And you're like, let me let me take that monster for a moment. Yeah, take your monster for a moment. <laughs> um, how do you feel working in Hollywood uh, where the the service industry job is sort of the go-to joke maybe go to truth mm-hmm. about your other job that isn't your dream job how do you feel about that do you think that's fair or does that make you angry as someone who has been taught this more traditional uh, fancier way of of looking at serving i it doesn't it doesn't bother me i think that that is a true statement of most places in hollywood most restaurants except for some of your kind of like higher end fine dining are people who it's their job yeah it's their job. They're not in it. They don't care. They just want to get their paycheck and go home and then probably work on their screenplay or have an audition the next yeah. day. Um, I don't 
serve in Hollywood. Like I serve out in Claremont yeah. for a reason. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> everyone at the restaurant that I work at, no one is in the industry. Okay. They, it's their jobs. They, it's. I mean, it's their careers. Like yeah. they are. They are living. Like there are people at this restaurant that have been there for twenty plus years. Damn. So I enjoy that kind of work environment. Before I'll, you know, find a place in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And the turnover rate at most places is like a year. At most, I would say most restaurants in LA, the turnover is about a year where the place that that I can go back to just because I have like a month break and I'm not working and I can pick up ships no problem. I've been there for over 10 years. Wow. So it's, and it's that, it's like. I'm not mad that there is that stereotype because it's true. We do need survival jobs in the entertainment business. And I, I like think, that phrase a lot, survival yeah. jobs. But I think that nowadays a lot of people are doing Uber and Lyft because even that, like as a restaurant job, if your shift is Monday and you can't find anyone to cover it and you have an audition, yeah, you go to the audition, you get fired. Yeah. So it's hard. But if you're an Uber driver, you just don't log on and you can still do that stuff. So I think the trope of it being the survivor job has ended with more of these like working on my own time jobs like Uber Eats and all those other things. Yeah. So many more opportunities. Do you think there'll be more demand then for uh, servers who like you have been trained in a is a profession? I think it's I think the style in which I was trained is going to fade away except for in small pockets because they're you know people are like kind of like fading away with like oh let's you know we're not tipping anymore and we're gonna get everyone's gonna get paid the minimum wage style so for me it was never about my paycheck it was about the tip okay because i especially i started serving in new york where you were getting paid like i think it was like when i started like a dollar 79 an hour (laughs) so like i wasn't getting a check yeah it was solely about the tip so if you didn't tip me i didn't get paid yeah and that's not the case anymore in la servers think it's all of california get paid 11 25 an hour okay so it's an hourly wage that yeah. you can live on i think whatever the minimum wage in california is it's like 11 something right? okay i think that's uh, what it is so for me though when i work at a restaurant i average like 30 to 40 dollars an hour because of the amount that i got paid in tips yeah so if i was working at a restaurant that didn't have tippage which is like the way that they're going, okay, it's not worth it for me. So I think it's just going to be a different style of service. Okay. Except for fine dining, I think will stay the same. Awesome. Uh, I have a few very specific questions. Should servers write orders down? Or is that not even a discussion anymore? That it's just assumed that for the most part, they don't? I think it depends on the restaurant. Depends on the server. <laughs> uh, for me, when I was younger, I could take a like a table of 10 people's drinks, appetizers, and entree order without writing it down. Damn. I don't think I could do that now. Yeah. I think that my brain has gotten older. <laughs> uh, I mean, some people some people get impressed by it, but I think they're more happy when their food comes out exactly the way they ordered it. Yeah. So write it down. That's the way I've always felt. Like, especially yeah. when I can see a server who is clearly very busy mm-hmm. and like they ask what you have and then they like look at the television screen or something. And I just had to like, it's really OK. Please write it down. Yeah. I would love it if you wrote it down. Yeah, I think you should write it down. I yeah. think that most people should write it down. And also today, everyone is so picky about what they're choosing. Yeah. So there's a guaranteed a modification 
on some sort of meal that they're having. Yeah. They're substituting or they're removing something. They're not just saying, give me the chicken parm. They're like, give me the chicken parm, put the sauce on the side. And <laughs> can you only have one half of the chicken breaded and like that? Yes. It needs to come from the left half of the chicken. Yeah. I want to ask, what is the most difficult thing to carry? Uh, I think the most difficult thing to carry is, so I would say certain martini glasses are difficult to carry if they're filled to the top. But then for me, the one that I'm, I always hurt myself on are breakfast plates. And really? I don't know why. And it's probably just the restaurant I work on. But they, I think the chefs put the plate on the stove while they're cooking and then just flop the egg on it because they're most of the time it's like flipping the egg over. Yeah. And I'm, I'm convinced they put that plate on the stove <laughs> because it is fire hot okay. every time. And so because it's fire hot, you can only carry two plates at a time. Because typically, like, when you're bringing out a plate, you, you'll, you can stack them up your arm. Yeah. But if that plate's on fire, you, you can't put it on you can't put it on your, your forearm. Your bare flesh, yeah. Or your, yeah, you can't have it all the way up to your bicep because your whole arm would be. So I would say, for some reason, at the particular restaurant I work at, breakfast plates. Now, when you say you've hurt yourself, have you literally, like, put a, a breakfast plate mark on your arm? Yeah, I have. I have burnt myself on a breakfast plate. Do you... Someone's bacon and eggs. <laughs> it's you... also the worst, like working breakfast. Like God bless anyone who works at a breakfast diner because your meal is like six dollars, and you're get you're getting your full meal. Well, most of the time, like lunch or dinner, you're paying like twenty plus dollars for oh, it. Oh right, and then so, that affects the tip. And then you affects the tip. So like breakfast, like, and it comes with like the worst thing. Every server hates making tea because it is like a seventeen step process <laughs> for a drink that's like a dollar. So everyone hates making tea. So everyone get tea or coffee and then they get toast and like, oh, they need reef. Like there's just so, you have to take care of people so much more for breakfast. Right. Like think about how many times you get a coffee cup refilled as opposed to a soda when you're at lunch. Right. And yet you tip 15% on your like $12 bill for breakfast. Yeah. You're like, all that and it's always like little ladies i think that work at like breakfast counters like yeah. give those ladies like 35% <laughs> take yeah. care of those little ladies they took care of you yeah i'm i also want to ask about eggs so what what are all the ways that one can order eggs cuz this came up with my wife where uh she was trying to order eggs uh at denny's uh-huh. we went to denny's because they had a the solo the han solo uh, mm. tie in and there was a communication breakdown about what happens to eggs uh <laughs> it's a whole thing. I think it was a regionalism that my wife thought eggs a certain way were this way, but they weren't. So I'm just curious, mostly so I can pass it on to my wife, Sarah. Okay. What are the different ways that people order eggs? Okay. Well, scrambled yep. is the most common. And then sunny side. Okay. And then weirdly, and I think this happened, I don't know where, but some people say fried. Okay. Like a fried egg, but you still need to say soft, medium, or hard. So it's okay. like, I want your eggs soft medium or hard and then some people are fried but it's always you're always in a pan or on a stovetop it's considered fried okay and then you have poached okay then you have basted okay what is basted exactly basted is my favorite way <laughs> basted is a sunny side egg that you then take the top of like a pot over top of uh-huh. and you squeeze like a little hot water in there okay so you're sort of poaching it so you've steamed it but it's still sunny side up so it's never been flipped okay but it's cooked a little bit more like the whites are cooked all the way through because that's my like sunny side eggs because i like runny eggs but yeah sunny side the white is always like gelatiny like still yeah. not cooked all the way but basted you still get that like super <laughs> runny egg but the white has been steamed and cooked Oh, well, thank you for uh, working all that I out for me. I think that's all. I mean, there's like, then there's like 
ways of presentation with eggs. So I think that's yeah. the main. Is over easy then just a way to say the variation of fried? What does so, over easy mean? So you, okay, so the first thing you do is you crack the egg and you put it on the stove. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it back to basics. That's what Sunny I mean. Sunny side up, right? Uh, yeah. Then if you take the spatula and flip it over. Yeah. And count to like one, like uh, 45 seconds. Yeah. Over easy. Okay. And then anything as you're cooking from there is going to get to medium to hard. Okay. As And that's just referring to the yolk of the egg and how much that's being cooked. Okay. All right. I feel fully prepared now to order the hell out of eggs, and particularly if they're basted. <laughs> I don't... If you say basted at most restaurants, they're going to be like, you're the worst. I'm, I'm going to go into Denny's and I'm going to ask for basted eggs, and I'm just going to see what happens. I didn't even know that basted was a thing until probably like five years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And you're an expert. So that, that, that I'm not that an expert a cook, lot. though. It's <laughs> not. It's totally different. Totally. I'm sure there are other ways that people make eggs now where they're like like pumping oxygen into it as they're like <laughs> freeze, freezing it with nitrogen and fancy. I'm sure there are. Flash frozen nitro eggs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. If you could open a restaurant. A mm-hmm. themed restaurant based on your own life. What would that restaurant be like? A themed restaurant. It's really hard for me to think of a themed restaurant based on my own life because I have a fantasy restaurant. Ooh, well, tell me about that. That is, if I, I always think like when I'm done with the industry, I'm <laughs> when I'm done, uh, I, I want one of two things. One is to have like just like a coffee shop with like really good baked goods and like amazing coffee. And then which is my favorite thing is to the customer service part where I just get to be like this little old lady who gets to just greet people (laughs) and like make sure that they start their day off with a cup of coffee and like a a smile. Uh, And then the other one is there's this place in Glendale where there's it's a strip of restaurants and at the very end there's like an old gas station that's been like empty forever. Okay. And my fantasy is turning that place into a themed, like, auto mechanic place, <laughs> but just as sliders. And it's like, come in for a quick and easy meal. Like, you're getting, like, a Jiffy Lube, but it's just quick burgers in and out. Have a good time. Okay. Uh, I'm just filling you up and sending you on your way. Because the rest of the strip is really fancy, and I think it, people want something. Would you have the servers dressed as mechanics with, yes. like, just grease running down their fingers? Not grease running down. For, I think that's a health code violation. Okay, but I would definitely think have them in the overalls. Uh, yeah, and and think everything would have like kind of like themed names to them that would be auto mechanic style things. And I I think that more than and I I would it'd be the worst if I'd made them like, have slang. That would yeah. be the one. you would, and as customers you'd be like I hate this. <laughs> you really would. I hate this. Don't. <laughs> So it is a your dream restaurant is a mechanic burger joint that is absolutely slang free. Yeah. And but particularly it was it's more sliders than full burgers. Okay. Because it's fast and on the go. Yeah. Where you're just munching down the street because <laughs> you just had a fill up. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions or variations of the mask. Everybody on all episodes of the podcast, there are no right or wrong answers. Do you think about restaurant service every day? Yes. <laughs> Do I? I, I, I want to say at least, because I eat out too much, I would say at least four times a week I think about customer service. Okay. Because I'm, think, I'm thinking about what other, I can't be in a restaurant and not think about what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. Right. 
for sure. Yeah. So anytime you go to a restaurant, you're thinking about it. But if you don't go to a restaurant and you're writing, let's say you have a project that's really consuming you, uh-huh. you're, it's been four days since you've gone out to a restaurant, obviously you have all of these thoughtful psychological lessons you've learned about the human condition. Uh-huh. Are you thinking about those lessons as they apply to writing? Probably. I would say, yeah. I would. Well, I mean, they're, they're my life experiences, so they're going to be pulled into the, the writing that I do and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. I do. Have you uh, or would you want to write a restaurant-based show? I have a spec (laughs) called Family Style (laughs) about an Irish-Italian family, which I am, who owns a restaurant, and they all live and work around the restaurant. So there's the restaurant, and the dad owns it. The whole family works there, except for the mom, who thinks that she works there, but she really doesn't do anything. And then the daughter, who's like, Wants to break away from her family, lives upstairs <laughs> in an apartment, and then everyone lives within walking distance. Yeah. Because they're obsessed with each other, and they can't leave each other alone. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, has that gotten you work? That No. <laughs> well, no. I'd be happy to do No. The specs that give me work are the really... Because that one's like a... Like a networky, yeah. like my family's adorable. Or the stuff that <laughs> people, especially in animation, they want the weird stuff. Yeah, that's not weird enough. No, I have a, my, the thing that got me the show that we did together is a workplace comedy that takes place in fifteen thirty three in England in King Henry the Eighth Castle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the service there had to be really good, right? And it's about the it's about the service staff of the <laughs> king. <laughs> That is awesome. When people walk into your home, can they physically see that you're obsessed with restaurant service? Um, not when they walk in, but if they've been there for a minute, they're going to see some element of me either giving them some sort of like presented food or beverage. Okay. Yeah. So by your behavior, they would be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't home, there's nothing in your walls that you don't have posters that are like... No, there's nothing in my home that's like... No, I don't have posters of like <laughs> well-established restaurants <laughs> lining the walls. Because we, we just got married and the whole, all the families, like at both sides, just everyone's in the house. Like the day before the wedding we were having, like that's where we had the rehearsal dinner and stuff. And towards the end, I was like cleaning around people yeah but like still having conversations and talking to everyone <laughs> and my father was like oh you're just like your mother you never know you never know uh, you never know you can never stop cleaning or something like that that sounds nothing like my father uh, <laughs> uh, and he was like he was like calling me out on it and I, in my brain i was like i'm having a good time everyone else is having a good time but when you guys leave i will be left with cleaning everything okay but if i am cleaning and you're not noticing when you leave, I have less work to do. Yeah. So I'm doing. I'm I'm taking care of me while you guys are having a good time. Yeah. Like I'm taking care of my part, and everyone's having a great time. Yeah. Do you ever announce last call at home? No. I'm like, it's time for you guys to go. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't get your last drink. Get out. <laughs> There's no buildup. Just get out. That's fair. Would you go to a five day long restaurant service convention? And I'm talking about something that's like a Comic Con, like where people dress up they have panels they do shows it's just all a celebration of restaurant service i think that's a real thing it's not i mean people don't dress up but they definitely have like restaurant conventions yeah that is a real thing uh if if i if it was if it was becoming my career as opposed to my job yeah i would totally do that yeah yeah would you go just though for yourself as joy to like talk to other servers no because is this a, a 
private isn't right because you're you're interacting with people but is this a personal thing where this is your journey and it's not you're not interested because people are different with their obsessions some yeah. some obsessions you can really only express once you start to share them with people and other things mm-hmm. other times are just private of like this is my thing I wouldn't say like I mean it is it's definitely my thing and then when I meet other people that are have the same kind of like service style skill set we definitely will geek out about it and people will be like this is why are you <laughs> why are you so happy about this weird smile that tells people they're an asshole like because it's an important part of the training who wouldn't be happy if they knew they've perfected a you're an asshole smile it seems like everyone should have that life yes. goal uh but i i don't think it's like a a thing where like i seek out i don't seek out others because of yeah okay have the same passion okay i'll put you down for no for that one would you get a restaurant service tattoo no but maybe (laughs) because i don't know what that would be yeah because like if i got like a bob's burger tattoo technically that's a restaurant service tattoo right yeah are you a tattoo person at all my i have one tattoo but it is my entire back Okay. And I am not interested in getting any more tattoos. Yeah, that's a pretty big But commitment. I got one that took like 22 hours. Okay. Do you mind sharing what it is? It is at the top. It's um, the Virgin Mary depicted with wings reaching to the heavens. And then that folds down into the giving tree. And the apples are falling off into the um, the, <laughs> the twin-tailed siren underneath that. Okay. Which is from mythology, the giver and taker of life. So it's mythology, religion, and folklore. It's sea, land, sky. Yeah. Kind of like folding in and kind of like this idea of like give and take and self-sacrifice. Okay. I'm glad I asked because everybody has different kinds of tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> you have deep, thoughtful uh, philosophy of yeah. life. So, of course, you're not going to drift like, and then on my ankle, an apron. Yeah. 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 But that, I mean, with that one, like, I went in, I had no tattoos, and the tattoo artist was like, I'm not giving you this tattoo, because I could hit you once with ink, and you'd be like, I'm done, where he's like, I'm going to need you to come back over and over and over again for yeah. me to finish this. So he, like, just did one, like, just the twin-tailed siren as one piece. So for, like, about six weeks, I did have a tramp stamp. That was <laughs> but a, a thoughtful mermaid. one. It was a mermaid. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got to keep asking the tattoo question. I cycle it in and out. Uh, one of my other favorite stories is I had somebody on who wasn't sure if they were a goth or not. And then I asked them about tattoos. And I'm like, well, I have 150 bats on my back. Like, I think that's a goth trump card. Yeah. I learned so much. Uh, would you compete in a restaurant service-based Olympics type event? Yes. <laughs> Your is eyes that a lit thing? up. I would. Yeah. Because I'm, again... I feel like then I could not only brag about being like a 30% average receiving waiter. Yeah. I could also then have a medal <laughs> that I could show people. Yeah. And I would win. <laughs> I would win said restaurant Olympics. Okay. So yeah, you're not and kidding about the bragging. You are in to prove no, this. I, and then you could break it down into like, there could be so many different things. Like, cause like food runners, like the guys that run out of kitchens, like, some people can only carry like two or three plates, but I have seen rock stars roll out with like seven yeah. to like nine plates. Yeah. That is a, that's one competition right there. Done. <laughs> this is, yeah. yeah. How, how, and like, but the bar, like they actually have bartending competitions of so like, yeah. The, the, that are based on speed as well as taste. Yeah. 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 We ended up talking a lot about your psychological uh, approach, but how much of the obsession is those nuts and bolts that of how to carry? seven plates and that kind of thing some are just limited physicality like i am five one yeah and my wingspan is not of most 
normal sized humans. You three plates wingspan. I can, I can carry. Uh, uh, I can carry four dinner plates. Four dinner plates. Okay. Um, and then total or on each arm. Total four dinner okay. plates. So I can carry three on one arm and one in a free hand. Uh, and then from there, like if you go smaller plates and stuff like that, I can carry more because I have. Uh, I can do tricks with my hand to make sure that I carry like two or three plates in just my hand alone. If they're tiny, you things. have tricks with your hand. There's tricks. Like I can also carry training pinky yeah. strength, or I can carry three soda glasses in one hand, <laughs> which seems to be astonishing to anyone who sees the size of my hand. And everyone is always blown away by the fact that I can carry three soda glasses. But the trick is that one of them isn't in my hand. One of them is between okay. my thumb and my pointer finger. Yeah, like yeah. in dead space. And then there's one here, and then one resting on the back of my hand. Okay, but those are unconventional ways to carry, right? So you shouldn't so you, do that. You that still is have to poor. balance, right? Yeah, I mean, you you should have balance to be a server because right. you have to carry things. <laughs> <laughs> really breaking down the basics, like you're, the eggs. You gotta be able to carry stuff. It's multitasking is like the number one thing, and you can I can tell by looking at a kid on their first day if they're gonna make it or not. <laughs> and I by a kid, them, you, you could mean like a 38-year-old person who's doing this for the no, first most time, of the time, right? Most of the time, it's like An actual a 16-year-old kid okay. that's like, it's my summer job. And I'm like, all right. And I can be like, you. I mean, you're going to be an okay server, but like, I can spot the great ones because it's multi, like I'll walk into a room of 10 tables yeah. and I can scan the room and see the 30 things that need to get done yeah. and then list them in my head in order of importance and know what I have to do to get. And it's if you can't multitask, you can't work in a restaurant. Okay. Because you're putting in orders, you're taking drinks, you're doing refills, you're figuring out when someone's going to need to ask about dessert, you know. And also desserts are typically made in different stations than the food. Yeah. So you have to be able to like plan your swoop through of like which stations and stuff like that. Especially busy restaurants. Yeah. Okay, cool. I would win the Olympics. (laughs) I would love to see you I'm an amazing multitasker. See you plan your sweeps, your swoops. Yeah. Um, I, I want. I'll get back to the helps. That's all your questions, but I want to talk about the bragging for a second. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you brag about this more than you brag about your successes as a writer? Yes, <laughs> which is strange. I know, but I think there's an element of like weird self-deprecation as an entertainer and like working in the entertainment business. Where you're like, oh, I'm sort of doing this thing, but yeah. it's like not a big deal. Where like I as a New York Italian person, we tend to run on the cocky side. Yeah. And so like it's weird if you came off and you're like, oh, I'm 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 a good writer and you were super cocky. What if I said in a group setting at like a party, I'm the best server you've ever seen? <laughs> People be like, what? And then I'll like start explaining it or whatever. I think that that's just like, yeah, I yeah. Right. I have openly said in large groups of people. I'm the best server you've ever seen. <laughs> You're right. Well, and there is an element of subjective, but there's mm-hmm. also an, a more direct element of objective where at a party you can just show them, hey, look, I'm carrying three glasses and you literally can't do that right now. Mm. That's different yeah. than like, I can understand theme statements and integrate them into dialogue better than you. Yeah. You can't immediately just whip out and prove. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Would you fight with a stranger online about restaurant service? Maybe. I feel like this last year has taken away my need to fight online. Yeah. So I very rarely get into fights online. If if it was if my sister had posted, I would fight with her just because it's my sister. Okay. <laughs> but I might. I mean, I might. I'm. I. I feel like I maybe in the past I have, like, dropped my opinion on stuff. But I. I. I 
I could. But again, like this past year, you're like, right. I have to think like, I still will write my feeling and then be like, it's not worth it. I don't want to spend all day checking like the notifications about yeah. whatever I just wrote. Yeah. Yeah. If you saw somebody um, saying something that you disagreed with strongly, like uh, the ethics of tipping. Mm-hmm. That has like a larger implication. It's not like just somebody saying Patricia Valletto is not the best server. Like obviously, then I would fight on that one. <laughs> well, you're, you're clearly more than capable of fighting that one. Uh, uh, I I think uh, the tipping thing is it's such a strange, and I understand the core concept of uh, the the removal of the tip yeah. process because it's not about the like mini- like the medium to like that is. A- crazy helicopter outside i've never seen anything like that what kind of helicopter is that it it looks like a giant drone isn't it i yeah it's like a human size like a human could be inside that drone. oh yeah like at least two i can't believe that this doesn't happen more often when i record a podcast in los angeles that we have to stop and talk about the helicopters that one is pretty spooky yeah i don't it, think it's a helicopter you're right i think it's a just it's a, a giant drone it's a human capable of carrying a human drone yeah it's the future (laughs) there's a human in the drone uh side note all future buildings in los angeles have to be built with the capability of landing flying cars on them did you know that no i did not yes i was listening to npr and they said that (laughs) they were like by the way flying cars are coming and that is now the new law just to get ready really yeah how do they know how heavy they're gonna be they don't like this is all you know, California. We're thinking okay. too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. He, Elon Musk has set us up for disaster. <laughs> we believe in him too strongly. Yeah. Well, it's probably He's become our god. Oh yeah. Uh, is he? Is he? He was. He did the flamethrowers the other day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. See, you have. You do have to question that. You're like, are you really working on really important stuff with your flamethrowers? He's a he's a boy. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he's, he's a kid. He might a, not even be a good server. Yeah, but he's always like he doesn't. He's like, ha ha, guys. I'm shooting off rockets and not telling anyone <laughs> just to see how many people will think it's a UFO. Yeah. And he does it like every six months. That was probably him in the drone. Probably. Flying by. Yeah. Listening to people's podcasts. Jerk. Elon Musk. <laughs> He's not a jerk. He's very important to our society. Okay. Well, when I <laughs> land my flying car on my apartment building, I'll be saying, thank you, Elon Musk. I don't know if he's part of the flying thing. Well, this, but, I mean, this is amazing. The last episode of the podcast was about systems of transit. So Elon Musk came up naturally. But now I'm... So interested to see if the next episode, I'll get three in a row where I can't get through a podcast <laughs> without talking about Elon Musk. Very, yeah. Uh, so you were saying um, about the ethics of tipping. Oh, it so I, the, so basically the the minimum. So people who survived, like I was saying in New York, I would get like less than two dollars as my, and that has changed. Like there yeah. is no longer a second st- because there are the people who work. In, it's still considered service jobs in hotels and in like when they were talking about like maids and stuff right. like that. And people are supposed to tip. When you stay in a hotel, you're supposed to tip the maid. They cleaned your room for you and you probably were a dirty monster because it's not your house. <laughs> so leave them money. But a lot of times they don't. And those people are still getting paid that under minimum wage yeah. service thing. So that's the no tip push. But what that does when it gets to the kind of like higher end services, the those people will no longer care about the work that they're doing yeah. because they're getting treated like crap and they're not getting paid appropriately for it kind of thing. So I understand the concept of rising up people who are on the lower economic scale. Yeah. So I, I get the at the core concept of the, the no tipping thing. But there is a part of me who is, you know, my my privilege of 
having the opportunity to walk into a restaurant at 14 years old yeah. and get that job. Like, I understand that came from a place of privilege. That came from a place of the fact that, like, I lived in a town that had a five-star restaurant yeah. kind of thing. So that's where I go, right. I There's a part of me that will mourn the service that will be lost because of it, but yeah. I understand that it is necessary to be lost. Okay. So it sounds like you wouldn't fight with anyone, but you might try to educate someone on everything that you know and understand about tipping if somebody said something ignorant. Yeah. About the whole situation. Yeah. I say tip, no matter what. In any situation, if you're not sure if you're supposed to tip, be tip. the weird guy that tipped when you weren't supposed to be tipping. <laughs> What's the worst that's going to happen? That's true. That's not like alarm bells are going to go yeah. off and oh, people are going to no! come out and make fun of you and yeah. point and laugh. This weirdo tipped. Uh, how would you feel if your last words were about restaurant service? Uh, it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. <laughs> so I was like, oh, make sure that you tip and then i died <laughs> yeah i think those are good last words but is it something that's like important enough to you that it feels like it might be part of your legacy mm, no <laughs> I, I want to say no it shouldn't but i feel like it will because i am the person who still tells people at parties that i'm the best server you know, so probably i it'll probably be one of those things i'll probably be like that grandma who's like Sitting around like, in my day, come here, crackheads. Go get me a drink and go get other people a drink and show me I can carry all four drinks in one hand. And I hope you speak with exactly that accent. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's what happens when you get old. You turn into that accent. So that would be uh, your last words in that accent about restaurant service. You're okay with that? Yeah. I'd be like, make sure you tip the funeral home. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> speaking of children, would you name a child or a pet after a favorite restaurant? Mm, no. No. Why not? Because I can't think of, uh, when I go through my mind of like my favorite restaurants, I'm like, I don't want to name my child any of those. Yeah. What was the name of the the, the five-star one you worked at? Plumbush. Plumbush. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Plumbush. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so it's not so much that you wouldn't want to have that be a, a significant name. Yeah. It's just that none of them are actually like good. And they'd be like really mad. They'd be like, you know, like there'd be like you're, you're setting yourself up for like a really angry child later <laughs> who grows up into an adult and is just like super spiteful at you for making such a dumb choice. Yeah. Like if I was the guy from last week's podcast and I named my kid Elon, they'd be like, that's a cool name. He changed society. Right. But if I was like, Plumbush, why are you so mad? I'd be like, it's different. Well, now I want to have a kid just so I can name uh, the child Elon Plumbush, and that's the full name. Again, the, you're setting yourself up. for Because the main reason why people have children is to have someone to take care of you when you're older. And you're setting yourself up for that not to happen. Yeah. Do you think people are, this is totally off topic. Do you think people are, I think that's a truth. Do you think people are cognizant of that truth? That that is. I mean, the second reason is so that they can like look at something and say, "I made that." <laughs> so both are ridiculously selfish reasons to have children. <laughs> I look. Yeah. I was capable of making some version of me. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I mean, I currently don't have any children, and I plan to adopt. Okay. Because I don't feel the need to see a version of myself, but I feel the need to be able to help someone become an adult on their own. Yeah. Um, and then selfishly want someone to take care of me when I'm older. <laughs> so I, I want to like balance it, it. I want to balance selfless and yeah. selfish okay. as a combo. I think that is a great naming strategy to give in 
awesome. The most awesome name possible to the person who's going to take care of you. <laughs> you are always thinking ahead. Uh, here's the final How Obsessed Are You question. If you were working an awesome restaurant service job that you just loved, and then a bear walked into the restaurant, how would you handle it? Uh, one, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, is the bear on it? Can I ask questions? Oh, absolutely. Is the bear like attack bear or is the bear like, what's this? You know how like sometimes bears crawl into backyards and they're like, this is fun. What's yeah. happening here? Or is the bear like, rah, I'm going to eat everybody. I think the bear is, uh, seems like they're curious, uh-huh. but maybe hungry. They're not angry. Well, we're curious, in a restaurant. I can take care of the hungry part. <laughs> we're good. I treat him like the angry guy who just, he came in angry and I'm going to make him leave happy. I'm going to get some raw meat out the back, get him some food, and then he's going to be on his way yeah. as a happy bear. Are you going to sit the bear down at a table? Uh, I don't know if bears are comfortable in regular chairs. To be honest. <laughs> you are great at service. You're thinking about what the bear so, needs. So, yeah. So, like, at first, here's the thing. If, if a real bear came into a restaurant, my, and, I, and I'm working there, my yeah. first job is to make sure whoever is nearest of the bear that is not an employee but a customer is away from said bear. Okay. So, first, I'm going to be like, move away from the bear. <laughs> the bear is angry. <laughs> and then once I feel like everyone is clear, uh, I might, I hope that I would have enough, like, kind of, like, Intuition to be like, throw some steak at it to yeah. keep it occupied? Well, I think you would yeah. since you just started rattling it off. This, yeah. was a, a, this was a great test of not only your service skill that you weren't like, what? No, that's a problem. That you were like, oh, okay, I'll figure it out. And then exactly what you were describing of like, yeah. well, I will think of the needs and then I will prioritize them. <laughs> I'm like, here you go, bear. Here's some meat. And then by that time, animal control is there. Yeah. And you have cracked the bear just like And I've done something where I have not touched said bear nor oh, yeah. let other humans touch said bear <laughs> so that they don't have to put the bear down. They can reintroduce it back into society. Yeah. That's that thing where like if you approach a bear and it feels comfortable, they now have to kill that animal. Oh, because it's just not... A- because it's being no a bear longer anymore? because it's not afraid of humans which means uh, that it will start getting more and more comfortable going into where humans habitate right it will become a regular so customer. like if a coyote or a bear or like this is just in regular world if you see a wild animal don't be an idiot and go near the wild animal <laughs> because you are putting that animal at risk for being put down like yeah. people like showing videos of like look how cute he is and it comes near you the the wildlife uh rescue and whatever they're called yeah. have to put that animal down. Okay. That is really good information Legally. to have. Roofs are going to all be made for flying cars and <laughs> leave the animals alone. Don't touch wild Don't animals. Don't touch the wild animals. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise can you make? Uh, what? Uh, that's, that's not the noise. That's, that was my that's thinking, thinking noise. <laughs> um, what is my noise? Uh, for my obsession, I think it would be like, because it's like a thing no one else is like obsessed about so it's really just me bragging to people to force them to realize that there's a thing that you could also be obsessed about so it's like meh people are always like you're weird (laughs) so it's something that you do care a lot about but you also partially care a lot about it because it's not a huge deal it's not a huge deal yeah yeah well I I mean most you can go to places now and order on a computer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't need the people at all. Yeah, oh, it's sad. Well, I learned a lot. Uh, I'm very happy for that. Uh, I ask everyone to make a, a, a rating of their obsession. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest, how obsessed do you think you are with front of house restaurant service? 
seven. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Is ten like? Because I'm assuming ten would be like, I get plastic surgery to look like a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, in general, uh, I think there are healthy versions of being of the highest obsessed, okay. and they're unhealthy, and people are usually pretty well in touch with it. Okay. But I think you are a little bit lower because I think yeah. you have it. It's it's an obsession for sure. You yeah. think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. You have formed life philosophies around it. You answered yes to a lot of these things. This was one of the best bear answer questions I've ever received on the podcast. <laughs> so I feel like you should be high up. But yeah, I think around a seven is good. Seven. I think seven. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if you opened your own restaurant, you would get even higher because mm-hmm. you'd be thinking about it all the time. Well, you'd the be old, training people. And this is the thing I always tell people because they're like, you're going to open a restaurant. And I was like, I would never open up a restaurant unless I found someone who felt the same way I feel about front of the house. Yeah. And feels about back of the house because I need someone in the kitchen because I'm up front. Okay. So there's, like I said... If the food's not consistent, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You so just I need... need someone just as equally in love with the process of back of the house service. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, we're going to move on to our plugs. Is there anything that you want to plug? And also, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram at my name, Patricia Paletto. Uh And I think that's it because pretty, I'm pretty private on Facebook. And okay. And are you not on Twitter at all or? I'm on Twitter solely to look at what other people are doing okay. and I never tweet myself. I know I should start, but I really just go on Twitter to see other people yeah. attacking each other. <laughs> you must enjoy it then. That's that's what you're going to see. Uh, uh yeah. Uh as far as like stuff coming up, I'm really just um I am performing at the Ruby on nice. Sundays, sometimes Tuesdays, depending. Look at their schedule. Uh, and I'm going to be teaching a class, probably in, a new class will start probably in a couple of weeks, from pitch to pilot, also going to be on the rubyla.com, Ruby Theater LA. I, I should know what the website is. <laughs> People Google, can Google. Google the Ruby LA Theater. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I would highly uh, recommend that class. I, I think everybody running the Ruby is awesome. And it's, mm. I think it's awesome that you're teaching such a helpful direct class uh, for that whole process. Here's some quick plugs for this, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast that I co-host. That's called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we are obsessed with in the moment. Maybe it will be eggs. Who knows? For full info, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final questions. These are just weird questions. If you could fly, but you had to hold an object in your hand to do it while you're flying, what object would you want to hold? I would want to hold a... <laughs> okay, this is... I would want to hold something like a, like a skateboard or uh, something with wheels that has like a base because I would want to always land in like that kind of like I'm flying I'm flying and then instead of just like coming down to like a slow land drop my wheelboard and then fly like kind of like slide in and be like here (laughs) you'd want to have a super cool landing yeah 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 Yeah. because it's not just about flying it's about coming in for the landing right you're always thinking ahead about what's next and I feel like if people saw you flying with a skateboard it would be like that weird helicopter drone we saw which would be like now She's clearly locomo- locomoting in a super cool way. She's flying. <laughs> what does she need the skateboard for? And watch you land. And like, damn, cool. 
If you had a time machine, where would you go? Oh, man. Oh. Future, past. I would go... This is the... Ah... I want to say something cool, but the first thing that came into my mind, which isn't sad, is I would uh, go back to the 90s because this is not funny. <laughs> this is sad because okay. my brother was killed in a car accident. So I would go back to before he had passed away. Okay. But it was the first thing that popped into my mind. So I didn't have time to take it away to make a funny joke. I, but that's true. Honestly, In my heart of fine. hearts, I would have gone back to the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So you would go there to see your brother. Mm-hmm. Going there to see your brother, is there other things, uh, now that we are obviously far away from the 90s, mm-hmm. and I think culturally, right now we have that weird relationship with the 90s where we're kind of, you know, glorifying it. Yeah. Uh, is there, while you were there, is there other 90s things you would want to check out and and try to decide, like, was this cool? Was this interesting? Or are we obsessing about it now because it was just the past? Um... Would I want... To, what was I doing in the 90s? Serving? <laughs> uh, I was I was serving. I was definitely working at that restaurant. I was I I would have probably I didn't I have no I have no idea how to answer this question because I'm just thinking of all the things like Merrill's place and nine oh two and oh and knowing that they were very good soap operas. Yeah. They were good. I think it's a fine answer to say that you would watch old shows live. I would watch them. I, I mean, I watched them then. I thought they were great. <laughs> the end of the nine, the beginning of the nineties, the Golden Girls was still on. Guys, it oh, was a yeah. great time for television. Yeah, like the end of the nineties was like the like we got to see the tail end of Golden Girls. That weird year where it was the Golden Palace, and then right around ninety four, I think was nine hundred two and zero. Ninety six, ninety seven was Melrose Place. Yeah. I mean. We had it. We had our own Dallas and all that stuff because of Marrow's Place. Like, a girl got pushed in a pool every other episode on that. <laughs> it was great. There you go. That's a great answer. <laughs> you would celebrate the golden era of television, the early to mid-90s. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Uh, happiness is being able to find small moments of actually living in the moment. Okay. It's very hard in this town. It really, really is because you're always thinking about what's next. Or what just happened. Or what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Or why haven't they called? Yeah. (laughs) Do I have a job? (laughs) So So. what are your moments where you are successful in living in the moment and not worrying about the future or past? I think it's the thing you can't plan. It's like uh, having coffee with friends and and telling a story and laughing. Yeah. And that's when that moment happens. Because like if your brain is so into the moment and you're laughing and having a great time, you've like... You can't plan not not you can't plan living in the moment. You just yeah. it just happens. Because <laughs> if you're planning of an island, then you're just like thinking of the future and how you're gonna like change. You know, you're gonna meditate and get to this point of like being in the moment. Yeah, where it just happens. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it, it is an important part of the whole living in the moment thing because we culturally talk about it a lot. Is this like golden? It comes up a lot in the answer to what is happiness. Mm-hmm. Is this golden thing? And so I think people do go around thinking like, later today I'm going to live in the moment and it doesn't quite work the no. same, does it? It's it's like when you tell people like, oh, the the right partner will come around when it's their time. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I think that's what happiness is. When you're yeah. not paying attention, yeah. the right man and the right moment of happiness will come. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. I learned so much, and I am going to pay so much more attention the next time I go to a restaurant. Yeah, and order eggs basted. 
I am going to order the hell out of basted <laughs> eggs. Thank you very much. Thank that is you. our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.